I'm Sarah Jessica, and this is my podcast, Hot Shots. Welcome. Thank you so much. Uh, if you are a returning listener, thank you. If you're a new listener, thank you. Uh, this is a podcast. I'm a music and arts journalist or like arts and culture, entertainment journalist, all those labels. Um, it's a podcast where I interview Canadian musicians, artists, arts industry professionals about the entertainment industry, about the areas that they work in, about all of that good stuff, um, about the good, the bad, the dirty, the ugly, everything in between. So um, for tonight... So my guest for tonight is really cool, really crazy talented, and I'm a huge fan, and I'm sure you will be as well. So like definitely when I link to all of his stuff, check it out, look it up. He's like super talented, so check it out, do it. All right, so here he is. I am speaking to Brandon Lapine tonight. Uh, he's an Ottawa-based illustrator and animator, uh, known for his collaborations with well-known YouTubers, streamers, and bands. Definitely people you've heard of, so you're going to want to tune in. Um, you can find Brandon on Instagram under Brandon Lapine, his website at brandonlapine.art, and on YouTube, also under Brandon Lapine. Uh, so, hey, Brandon. Hello. <laughs> Hi, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good today. How are That's you doing? Good. I yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm pretty sleepy today. It's been one of those, but uh but I'm doing all right and I'm really excited for this. So that's uh that's a good highlight of my day. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Um yeah, exactly. Um yeah, uh so I guess like First question. Um, I I don't remember if you grew up in Ottawa or if you just moved there at some point and now that's your sort of home base. Uh, no, I did not grow up in Ottawa. I'm actually mm -hmm. from like the Niagara region mm -hmm. uh, in southern Ontario. Uh, mm -hmm. It's like uh, I usually tell people that I'm from Niagara Falls just because it's right. the closest thing that people really know and connect to. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, some people know St. Catharines. I'm actually from Font Hill, which is mm -hmm. a little tiny town. If you've ever heard of Welland, it's like the Welland is kind of known to people from Font Hill as like, I don't know, like pretty sketchy. And Font Hill <laughs> is like the upper middle class-ish area i don't yeah. know it's it, well welland is a is pretty sketchy but i think it gets a, a bad rap too like totally I, i've never i've never actually encountered any of the bad stuff that people mm -hmm. claim to that that happened there uh but yeah i don't know i i grew up in Fon hill everything was sweet um i moved to toronto in what year was that? I want to say like 2015, 2016, but mm -hmm. I was just out of school um, and I got my first animation job in Toronto and that's why I moved there. And then I worked, lived, worked there for a few years. And now uh, I live in Ottawa with my girlfriend. She's the reason that I uh, came up here is mm -hmm. because uh, we met on Tinder started dating long distance and then it, at a, a certain point it was just like why am i living in toronto and this was right yeah. around covid too 
So right. it was just like, we had been dating for years and it's like, why mm-hmm. am I still living in Toronto? It costs so much money. And, um, just, and the fact that like I was working at home too, this is like mm-hmm. it, I would, I would much rather live where it's cheaper and I can also live with my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. why not? So you were dating for years, like long distance. Yeah. So we, good for you. Yeah. We, we were like, I only moved here in 2020. Mm-hmm. So it's been a couple years. It's going to be two years in July that I've lived here, wow. which feels bizarre saying out loud because it feels like I just moved here. Mm-hmm. And we've been inside for so long that Seriously. it doesn't it doesn't actually feel like I've lived in Ottawa because it's just, yeah. oh yeah I just live in like this house basically yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I mean yeah you talking about that small town Ontario stuff I'm very familiar so oh yeah all those small town beefs yeah oh yeah totally familiar yeah mm-hmm. um we I remember growing up we always had. Uh, we always had beef with this, like my high school, uh, had mm-hmm. beef with this other particular high school. And mm. I remember when we were growing up, it was kind of like, which school are you going to go to? One of them is like a Catholic school and mm-hmm. I'm not religious in any way. Yeah. So it was like, I'm just going to go to the public one. But a lot of like, I knew a lot of people that went to the Catholic one. And like, as soon as you go to different schools, it's funny how people just seem to like hate each other Mm -hmm. for no reason other than the fact that you now go to different schools. Yeah. And you're rivals, I guess. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, I had a similar thing where I changed schools in like elementary school. I mean, so, you know, we're kid kids. Um, it was like grade five to grade six and, when I went to the school I went to in grade six, they they fully like totally made fun of me and my friends for where we went. And it was like, why? They, <laughs> what they do made, these? <laughs> they made fun of you like for just because you went to a certain school. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, well, the thing is, is that I went to a really just just to sum it up really quick. um, I went to like a I went to like a kind of like a hippie uh, elementary school. So it was like. um, So like it it was was just like a uh, you guys just had like gardens and like a like a kind of like a commune. (laughs) Mm, Close. Close enough. Honestly, like. Uh, I mean, you know, no, nobody, nobody lived there. So I think that's the difference between that and a commune. Um, but nah, it was like, it was a, it was a small little school that was kind of hippie-ish. We did a lot of like recycling programs and we, you know, all, all that sort of stuff, called each other by our first names, the teachers and all that kind of stuff. So, oh, really? Um, so you, you, yeah. you, teachers were first name basis? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Man, yeah. I, like, yeah. the, the teachers that I grew up like that was such a sign of disrespect if you mm-hmm. said their first name. That's so intense, especially for kids. Like, yeah, because <laughs> and I remember uh, I had a lot of friends that would do it on purpose because obviously we were yeah. just a bunch of shitheads, and you'd like to get under the teacher's skin. And then some teachers mm-hmm. were like cool about it too, though. <laughs> oh yeah 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 there's always those some teachers that are really cool on yeah that, i think that that. i would yeah. be i would be totally fine if people called me brandon instead of you know mr lapine or whatever yeah yeah 
I mean, shit. so stuffy. Why would you like? You yeah, know? it's like, <laughs> which sounds lame. It sounds like that cliche thing. Like, please, uh, Mister is my father. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's just like, yeah, it kind of is. Like, I don't want to be referred that way. Yeah. Whenever I see that stuff come up, like, um, in, uh, like, let's say, like, I recently went to the the doctor and, like, Mm -hmm. when they write up the report and they call me, like, Mr. in the report, it just Mm -hmm. feels so weird. Yeah. It's like, it's also like, it's so official to hear. Yeah of all my ailments so professionally like this (laughs) (laughs) seriously yeah um and especially like i know i'm like i'm like mid-20s um and like i still feel like a child and so if somebody says mrs or like miss or whatever i'm like who is that that's not me i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you that it doesn't get any better because i'm turning i'm turning 32 and i still feel like i'm like 18 just well, with uh just with like a lot of uh back pain these days mm, mm. and knee pain mm. and just pain in general <laughs> mm-hmm. so i have that to look forward to oh yeah it's coming mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i used to think i used to think i was invincible and that and now i've been humbled the universe humbled me <laughs> <laughs> oh god uh um brandon uh, what kind of uh, sorry right uh i just want to say that like anybody listening if you're in your 20s even you sarah you Mm -hmm. make sure you go see a doctor i didn't see a doctor probably for like 15 years and i found out that i had uh crohn's disease just yeah for years and i had no idea Mm -hmm. Shoot. And so, mm-hmm. like, by the time that I found it, it was just awful. So, that's yeah. my piece of wisdom is just go see a doctor, like, every year. I know it sucks, mm-hmm. but just do it. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. There's way too many people who just ignore things going wrong in their body, ignore pain, ignore discomfort. Oh, yeah, yeah, go see a doctor. Yeah. yeah. I always just yeah. chalked it up to, like, oh, I eat, like, McDonald's, like, twice a week. It's mm-hmm. probably that. Mm-hmm. No, it was way worse. <laughs> it was way yeah. worse than I could have ever imagined. The good yeah. news, though, is it's like once you figure it out and like the doctors are going to take care of you, mm-hmm. at least hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. 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 That's the thing. Sometimes you got to sometimes you got to shop around for doctors. I, I've seen those experiences. I know that there are some that are kind of crappy until you find the right one who actually listens to you and takes you seriously. Right. Yeah. Um, but there are definitely like doctors out there who like, oh, my God, do everything they can to help you. Like, yeah, some incredible doctors. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah, doctor. I mean, I, awesome, mm-hmm. dude. He's a young yeah. guy, man. He's like he's probably just like a few years older than me. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I feel like I'm walking into like my, into like a, a homie's office. I'm just like, what's good, mm-hmm. dude? He's like, oh, mm-hmm. you feel better? Nah, not really. All right. Well, let's change your medication then. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> Seriously. Um, oh, I like completely agree with that. Our little medical PSA here. Um, <laughs> like my, my sister is a, um, she was born with kidney disease and oh, we didn't shit. diagnose that. Yeah, we didn't diagnose that until she was like 17. 
16, 17. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely aware of that. Like, <laughs> you know, there was a whole host of medical problems that, you know, we ignored, she ignored until that diagnosis. And it was like, oh, that's why. Oh, yeah. shit. Like, yeah. was it was it one of those, it got so bad that she had to figure it out? Or was it just kinda like, kind of like, oh, let's go see? Yeah, um, it, it was sort of sort of in between, I think. Because oh, like, okay. one day, um, she had been complaining of migraines for a long time. And um, one day she was, you know, going to school. She was like 16, 17 in high school. And she got an incredible migraine. She was like, I don't think I can go. And so my mom took her blood pressure and it was like, I mean, like dangerously high, like extremely oh. high. Um, so that's when they brought her to the emergency room and they did a bunch of tests and x-rays and everything. And they found out she had kidney disease. And like, that's what was like spiking her blood pressure. Damn. So like yeah. what kind of yeah. what kind of disease like is it like with the symptoms and stuff? Yeah. So um, like, is it? Is it like one of those, um, like I also have liver disease and right. when they gave me the diagnosis, they basically said, this is a rare form of liver disease. Um, Love that. And they were like, based on your blood work, there's a 95% chance that you will need a liver transplant in your life. The right. thing with the disease is we don't know when. So right. it's like every year I have to get like, you know, I'm constantly getting blood work done and uh, mm -hmm. like MRIs and ultrasounds and all these things just to make sure mm -hmm. that like there's no signs that I need it. Um, yeah. But the way that the doctor worded it was just kind of like, yeah, it could literally happen tomorrow or <laughs> 20 years from now. So right. I was like, oh, that's, mm -hmm. that's wonderful to hear. That's exactly what you want to hear. T like tag teamed with a Crohn's diagnosis. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Seriously. Um, yeah. With, uh, with my sister, it was like, um, basically her kidney was at like maybe like eight, mm, somewhere between like 20% and 18% functioning. Uh huh. Um, and basically they were like, okay, we're going to hold off until it's about 13% functioning. And then that's when you need a transplant. Oh. Um, and so that was, I think within two years, cause I think she got it right before she turned 19. Um, she got her first transplant then it was from my dad. Oh so. shit. So she's already had a transplant. She has. Um, oh, yeah. Man. Jeez. Yeah. At 19? At 19. Oh yeah. my God. That's like, yeah. honestly, it's like one of the scariest things is thinking about my upcoming liver transplant yeah it's like mm -hmm. ah, i do not mm -hmm. like just because it's like one of those things that you read about like oh am i gonna have am i gonna be like waiting around for a donor or is it and then like once it happens like there's all obviously there, there's potential complications like will i be able to like is it going to, is my body going to reject it? And then the mm -hmm. recovery with it, it's just like, mm -hmm. I don't want to think about it at all, but it is, mm -hmm. a, it, it's a reality and I hate that it's reality. So, yeah. uh, I guess, yeah. um, I could use that to swivel into, that's why I draw a lot. Mm -hmm. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, segue, uh, I draw, uh -huh. Hey guys, this uh -huh. isn't just an interview about 
my health <laughs> ailments. I'm an artist. Sorry for the weird front loaded talking about woe is me here. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, that's a part of it. That's like, that's a big part of who you are and that affects everything you do. Right. Like, yeah, I guess so. It, it has become like a big part of my life, like literally mm -hmm. going to the hospital all the time. So yeah, I mean, you just got back, right? Yeah, like I literally just had a, a procedure done uh, on Friday. And yeah. uh, unfortunately, I'm not in remission. Um, mm -hmm. My disease is still active. So mm -hmm. they just switched up my medication cycle. And so I mm -hmm. literally, this afternoon, I uh, got like uh, every four weeks now, I have to self-inject like the medication into my stomach which is right. fun because it's like something like you have to learn how to yeah. stab yourself with a needle. It, yeah. Is that like Aaron Esp? <laughs> What's that? Is that Aaron Esp? No. Do you know, do you know my, my sister? Oh, okay. Uh, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the medication is, but oh, my sister has to do that as well. No. Uh, have you ever seen no. uh Stellar Stellara Stellara uh, commercials? Mm. That's what I'm, I'm on. Oh, no, and, I have not. Yeah, I, it's, I was just watching the Raptors game and they were, it was like on the floor. I was like, oh, shit, that's, I take that. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yo, uh, my medication getting ad time. Crazy. Nuts. Crazy. Jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, the whole stabbing yourself in the stomach thing with medication is like really cool. So she, she has <laughs> to do that too? She does. Yeah. I, I'm not sure what it does. I mean, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of medication, a lot of science involved that yeah. I'm not fully, you know, aware of. Um, but yeah, she has to yeah. also stab herself in the stomach sometimes. And yeah. is it like, uh, it's probably like, I imagine it's probably similar to mine where I, I was doing it every f eight weeks and now I'm switched down to four. So I'm doing it every month now. Mm -hmm. So I imagine it's probably the same for her. Mm. hers is once a week actually once a week shit yeah dude. that's like yeah. blood thinners i had yeah. to take those when i was in the hospital in 2018 when i got diagnosed because mm -hmm. i wasn't moving i was literally in bed all the all day so like they were like Yikes. oh we have to give you blood thinners so don't get like blood clots or whatever and Christ, uh yeah every time they give you one of those in the stomach it's like mm -hmm. you're getting punched in the stomach. It's mm -hmm. painful. Mm -hmm. Like the, the medication that I take now is like, it's literally just like a poke and then, you know, easy. Mm -hmm. This one mm -hmm. was like, I hated the blood thinners. And then mm -hmm. there, there was uh, the nurses there. They were, uh, th obviously the, the nurses were shifts. So there were a few nurses that were like, oh, do you not, uh, if if it's too painful in your stomach, we could do it in your thigh. And I was like, oh, please, let's do the thigh. And then mm -hmm. uh, every every now and then I would get like a nurse that wasn't really sure. And they'd be like, uh, you, you have to get in your stomach. And I'm like, mm -hmm. no, please mm -hmm. spare me. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, anyway, if you have the option yeah. for the thigh, why not? Like yeah, it was much easier <laughs> than the thigh. Much Seriously. Easier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Love, love talking about chronic illness. Hell yeah. Love it. The Honestly, I mean, like, <laughs> if, if, and especially like in this time, like it's not spoken about enough. 
uh, chronic illness? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, uh, yeah, the, like, people living with chronic illness, people who are immunocompromised. Um, oh, you know, for sure. Effects that, like, yeah. 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 Um, it's, it's pretty wild because to me, before I knew, like, what Crohn's or colitis, like, what it was and, like, what, mm-hmm. I wasn't really aware of autoimmune diseases. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, like, you hear about, all this stuff it going to the hospital when i was living in toronto i would uber to the hospital because it was um it was just easier and i didn't want to take transit take like an hour to get to the hospital when i lived down the street basically Mm -hmm. uh and so like the uber drivers a lot of that sometimes they would uh strike up conversation about why i was going to the hospital and i would mention like oh i have an autoimmune disease it's crazy how many of like the drivers either had an autoimmune disease or knew somebody that had it had one and -hmm. it's just and i was like damn and so the whole covid thing about not about there being immunocompromised people and stuff um i remember that was a big point of contention where people would say oh just have the people that are immunocompromised stay at home and like we could just live normally. It's like those mm-hmm. big chunk of people that have things that could get uh-huh. like fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, I don't know for sure, but I'm like it was like probably a few weeks ago. I got really really sick, and mm-hmm. I'm almost positive it was COVID. I, we just mm-hmm. didn't have any tests, right? And it was awful. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I have the three shots because I like had priority with like right. my doctor got me in for the shots early. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't imagine like what it would have been like if I didn't have those because <laughs> yeah. I was literally couldn't move just in bed dying. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh Yeah. The fact that I managed to avoid avoid it for so long, because I don't think I had ever gotten it prior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm I'm able bodied. I'm not immunocompromised. I'm not chronically ill. And I got COVID last month in March. And yeah, God, I was out for like a week and a half. It's brutal. Like, it, it was brutal. And then, like, my mom was, like, um, asymptomatic. And I'm like, screw you. Like, <laughs> come oh, on. You know, that's that's kind of what happened to my, my girlfriend. She... Oh, yeah. It started, like, she had, like, sniffles or something. And then next thing you know, like, I'm, I'm sick. And mm. then it was just... But she seemed to, like, get better after, like, a day or so. And I was yeah. just, like... I just kept declining <laughs> right? and just like, what, yeah. like, wh- how are you fine? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It, it's so, I find it so random and it's so unfair. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. how it just, just, it'll just decide like, oh, this person's immune system, mm-hmm. uh, it can't handle, it can't handle me. So we'll just fuck them up a little bit. Exactly. But then like some people are fine. Mm -hmm. Um, Like my entire family got it. 
uh, all at the same time. My uh, most of my family work in healthcare, and right. so like they, That's it was scary. just like it was like an outbreak, and I think like my mom yeah. got it, and then my dad got it, sure, and then my brother and my sister, they all live in the same house, so it was bound mm-hmm. to happen. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm glad that at least there's vaccines now, I guess, because seriously, um, at least like I don't have to feel like, like bad about like potentially like giving it to somebody, like knowing that most people are vaccinated. That was like the mm-hmm. big thing was it was just like, I don't want to get it and I hope that I don't give it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, do you want to get into art? Yeah, let's do that. I'm, let's uh, do it. I'm so done of uh, talking about health and COVID and stuff. I guess oh, that I the only reason I talked about it was because it's literally just been the norm for two years. Yeah. <laughs> two, three and- years. Yeah. And with somebody like you who's chronically ill, you can't escape it. You don't have that privilege, right? Like, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I draw stuff. <laughs> I, uh, you do. I make, uh, art, visual art. Mm-hmm. I've um, seen it. Uh, I don't know. What kind of, you got any questions about I it? I do. Okay. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I have okay, quite a few. Sweet. Okay. Um, what kind of art did you like grow up around? Um, like what was the first artist or like art piece or maybe like TV show that you discovered that really like spoke to you? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, mm-hmm. I guess like thinking back, uh, like when I was growing up, I always wanted to be, um, an animator. And Mm -hmm. so I gravitated mostly to old cartoons. Um, Mm -hmm. my favorite was Ren and Stimpy. Uh, and I think for those people that don't remember Ren and Stimpy, it's very over the top like it was something that like I had never seen before. Mm -hmm. Um, and the style was just very, I think I watched an interview of one of the animators or something. And they mentioned how, um, it was a rule on the show that no two frames could like look the same. So anytime that there were reactions, uh, it had to be like an entirely new idea. Like they couldn't reuse uh, things that they had done before. And mm-hmm. I remember hearing that and thinking like, that's, that's like probably why I gravitated to it so much was because it was so different from the rest of cartoons because mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a knock against like older cartoons because I also like loved Looney Tunes and um, those kinds of shows. Uh, I guess the difference is just like they, the gags in Ren and Stimpy were 
sometimes they took it to a point where it was like almost like unsettling to, right. to watch. Uh, there's a, still a scene in that show that to this day, I, I can't really watch because it mm-hmm. makes me kind of shudder and cringe. <laughs> uh, Ren pulls out the nerve endings from his rotted teeth or something. Oh, and it yeah it's it's bad but yeah. at the same time it's just so you would never see that in a different cartoon and so mm-hmm. i guess that's why i loved that kind of style and yeah. um it's kind it's made its way into the stuff that i do i really i really enjoy doing pushing things to a point where it's kind of like funny, but it's also gross. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I really love the, to blend, um, kind of that, like, uh, what's the word? Like, I like to take things that might be perceived as like, obviously like horror or scary. And I like to yeah. kind of put in like this, cute like approach like um mm-hmm. approachability is that a word i don't know <laughs> like yeah. like yeah. you kind of like what you mean like you're scared of it but the way that it's kind of drawn and stuff you're you can't help but kind of be drawn to it yeah and uh that that is a direct influence from one of my favorite artists uh to this day is alex pardee like I'm looking mm-hmm. at his prints right now. Like his mm-hmm. stuff is, um, it's colorful, but it's like deranged and kind of got this weird quality about it that I really like to try to put into my work. Mm-hmm. And I remember starting out, it it was very much like an Alex Party ripoff, and um. I remember people would call me out on that a bit, especially when I started to gain some traction on Instagram. Some people would say, oh, it's like reminds me of Alex Pardee's work. And I'm trying now trying to get away from, you know, I don't want it to be too much of mm-hmm. a ripoff, you know, <laughs> like uh, mm-hmm. as artists, we uh, we we take things from all all sorts of walks of life and put it into our own work. And the hard thing is kind of trying to balance it out so that it doesn't look too much like one thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, totally. But yeah, uh, sorry, I went off on a tangent, but Ren and Stimpy okay. to Alex Pardee is, yeah, like those are big influences to me and mm-hmm. uh, in my work for sure. Yeah. The whole Ren and Stimpy thing where they don't make one frame look the same, that's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. Like, I can't imagine, especially the the stories. I mean, the creator of Ren and Stimpy, it's come out that he's not a good dude. Mm. And um, mm. at that, that kind of stuff hurts, you know, when yeah. you find it, like, you find out that something that you love so much was kind of created by like a dude that is kind of very awful. 
And so it sucks because I want to separate the art from him, you know, but Mm -hmm. I grew up like basically idolizing the guy. Like he's the reason that I wanted to be an animator. And now I'm like, Mm -hmm. wish I wish uh, he didn't suck so bad. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I, I totally believe that you can love the art and not the artist, you know, and you know, I, I think if we didn't do that, we'd probably go insane because we would have nothing to enjoy, right? Oh, like <laughs> there would be nothing I, left. I feel like, like we we're yeah. constantly finding more stuff. At, like mm-hmm. we're we're constantly finding um, more gross pasts and like behind the scenes things that we mm-hmm. normally wouldn't have ever been exposed to without social media, but yeah. now. But, and it's, it's like a trade-off because without social media, I wouldn't, I don't think I would be where I am right now. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, yeah, there's pro there's pros, but there's like a ton of cons to it as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, just, I wish I didn't know so much about people's lives. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I Same. kind of wish that like we could go back to a time where we like there was some mystery, mm-hmm. but on the flip side, um, I can't, uh, I can't discredit how helpful social media has been for my career. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, half, you know, a lot of the, you know, the super big, you know, clients that you've had, which, you know, brought, you know, other people like, like how I discovered you or people who became famous on the internet. So it's like, it's really like the internet has been like a huge part in your life and in your, your, um, illustrative career. Yeah. How did you, how did you discover me? Yeah. Um, so I found you through, through pups EP, um, this place sucks ass. So I saw the artwork and I was like, who made this? Cause this is fucking sick. Like, this is so cool. Um, and then, yeah, I found you through that. And then I was like, I was scrolling on your page. I'm like, this looks so familiar. And then I realized that your art was also the really cool banner art on Noelle Miller's uh, channel right. that I was looking at. And I was <laughs> like, I always thought that was really cool, but I didn't know who made it. Um, and then I kept scrolling and then I see like you were creating little doodles of like the super mega boys. And I've been fans of those guys since the very beginning. Yeah. And I was like, wow, like, this is like, this is nuts. Like this guy's really cool. It's funny. Like how that, how that works. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, the, the puppy P is like, I think to this day, it's probably the, the coolest project that I've done. Like I'm yeah. proud of everything that I've, I've worked on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like the coolest and like the one that I'm probably most proud of is the puppy P just because, um, I was such, I'm, a huge music fan and so like going into record stores when i was a kid or i say record stores but it was really just like i was looking <laughs> at cds <laughs> but like going in going into like these like cd stores and stuff and like i would always just flip through the um the the different albums and 
sometimes I, I wouldn't even know like a band per se, but I would just be like, Oh man, like who drew this? You know, like this was before like Instagram and Twitter and stuff. So, yeah. um, I'm sure like there are a bunch of artists that like, I've totally forgot about that probably have social media now. And it's just like, I, but at the time it was just kind of like, Oh man, like I love this so much. And then I would, go home and try to draw like the album art. Mm -hmm. And so it was like a full circle moment when I walked into sunrise records here in Ottawa. And then th the first thing that we saw was the, like the top, like the brand new releases. And it was the pup album. The EP was there. And I was just like, Holy shit. man! like, I remember being the, like a kid and, looking at those albums and mm -hmm. then like putting on those headphones and listening to like yeah. the, tr the tracks, like, you know how they had the different, the docking station mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I was like, damn, like, this is just like, now I'm seeing myself here. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, that's insane. like that, that is like cool. And I'm so proud of that. But then I guess like another one too is, um, like the tiny meat gang. I when I started working with them, the logo that they used for like years, mm -hmm. um, that was literally like a throwaway. So yeah, crazy. the, I had designed their, their, sh like I did like the rat fink inspired, uh, hot rod design because mm -hmm. Um, they had mentioned like, oh, it would be cool if you could like do a drawing of us, but like in your style or whatever. And they just like kind of like jokingly mentioned, I think they mentioned like monster truck or something like that. And uh, I think like at the time, Noel was wearing a lot of like the grave digger clothes or something. Right. And so I was like, oh, well, like what if I did like a, a like a hot rod kind of deal? And they were like, oh, yeah, that'd be perfect. And then when I finished it, they said, oh, we we actually need like a front design for like the kind of like, uh, you know, how like shirts nowadays, they got like the front, the smaller front patch design on the yeah. like over the uh, over the chest, or whatever. And yeah. um, uh, they were like, yeah, we just need like something could you come up with something that matches the vibe of that? Mm -hmm. And so I sketched up a little th few things and then uh, we landed on the one and they ended up using it as like the, the branding for TMG for a few years until they recently switched over to like their spaceship cool. deal. Yeah. Which uh, the artist that works with them now is like, he's insane. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Ever since like they started working with it, like I'll I'll hit them up every time they release something new. I was just like, damn, dude, like mm -hmm. your stuff. Like, like he was like the perfect fit for like their space vibe kind of deal. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's just one of those things. Uh, um, that where it's just it's cool to see where people have gone from mm -hmm. that, and mm -hmm. um. I'm just like proud to have been like a part of it, 
because yeah. it felt like I was kind of coming up with them. Mm-hmm. It's like a little piece of history, you know? Yeah. It's so like cool. you could go yeah. back on their YouTube channel and you can still see like the older videos are all with my, my logo. I remember they were doing meet and greets with the logo on like the, mm-hmm. the background thing. And mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, and then when I saw them in Toronto, um, they had it playing on like the big screen. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I remember just uh, seeing that. And then also people walking by me, everybody wearing the, the shirts and like the things that I've designed. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. And especially because yeah. like nobody really knew like who I was or like what I mm-hmm. looked like really. Like a few people kind of did. Like yeah. if you, if you had followed me like from the very beginning, you may have like seen, like I, I very rarely post pictures of myself online, but mm-hmm. um, I remember somebody tweeted at me uh, that they were like, Oh, like, uh, we saw you at the Toronto show, but uh, we couldn't be sure it was you. So we were too nervous to say anything. No. I was like, that's so that, sweet. That, that's such a, like a funny thought that like mm-hmm. people, someone like recognized me because I did yeah. art for the guys or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's literally, I'm just, yeah, it's like, I'm just like an artist. It's not like I was part of the show or something, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you technically were, your art was, you know, but it's, yeah, it's that, that interesting barrier where you can kind of walk around and like see all these people with your work on them and everything, but they don't know who you are. And that's, that's really cool. Yeah. I was, I felt like a fly on the wall basically. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, damn, like (laughs) my sister also came to the show and Mm -hmm. she was like, what is, what does it feel like? Like looking around and seeing everybody wearing your merch. And I said, I don't know, it's just like, it's cool, but it's mm-hmm. also like, it's like they have no idea. They have yeah. no idea that I'm here today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, where, so, oh, um, is Kanjiro, is that like a nickname that you have? Would you say that that's like the name of your brand? Um, what would yeah. you, what would you say? So yeah. that, that like, um, It was always, uh, I always wanted to be able to brand my stuff just because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if I ever wanted to make merch or, you know, and then I, I kind of dove into using this as my like alias, uh, Mm -hmm. it's my middle name. Mm -hmm. So, um, it was, it was just something like, I never really like considered doing it, but, uh, my girlfriend always thought that it was a really cool name and she's like oh like she even like had me in her phone like as kinjiro or something Mm -hmm. and i was just one of those oh i yeah i guess i could use that because everything up to that point never really stuck um like i still have like a account like i think my reddit account is like for a while i was going by like o branders but like, mm-hmm. it just didn't really fit the vibe at all. Sure. Um, and then like, I have, it's not that I don't like the name Brandon, but it just doesn't like roll off the tongue very well, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was never a big fan of like trying to make 
logos out of my initials bl mm-hmm. or something it just doesn't look like i'm sure like it could be done but to me i i was like doing the kanjiro thing was i felt i didn't feel as like attached to it as my like regular name like it is my middle name but there was that kind of like separation so it was easier for me to kind of like see it from an outsider perspective and to Mm -hmm. create like a cooler um you know like uh aesthetic with it Mm -hmm. yeah 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 how would you like describe your brand how would you like describe kanjiro um i would probably it's very like uh it's like a blend of like metal and punk rock but mm-hmm. also like it's the like i i want there to be like some comedy that allows itself to be there i don't i don't know it's hard but mm-hmm. um like I, I want like the thing that I would like is if people could associate it with just like laid back, cool art. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like something that's um like like fun. Like you can watch a YouTube video of Kinjiro where it's literally just me drawing but we're like having a good time you know Mm -hmm. i don't like it's hard to kind of put it into words yeah but that's probably the the best way that i could do it (laughs) yeah well i would say that i look at your art like that so i think mission accomplished okay sweet yeah um (laughs) what were uh what did your your career in illustrating and like um animating look like at the beginning um how often i I know you had an animating gig for a long time like a a job for a long time um but when it came to like freelancing and stuff how often was that at the beginning and like how much were you making was it like a lot of freelancers i know make pennies right like especially at the beginning so like how did that work for you uh well that's like the good part about having the full-time job Mm-hmm. So I worked uh, really hard at, you know, getting myself a, a job in animation. Um, and so like I, I work in the, in a studio uh, full time and mm-hmm. uh, it allowed me the freedom to kind of just, you know, draw in my free time. Mm-hmm. And so when I was just starting freelance, it wasn't like I was relying on making money, you know, like it's not something Mm -hmm. like I need to find freelance work. Otherwise, like I Mm -hmm. won't be able to pay my bills. Uh, I I already have like the steady income from the full-time job. And so when I was just starting freelance, it was literally like maybe doing like a drawing for somebody like every few months Mm -hmm. and it wasn't for a lot of money either because i was just like who would want to buy my stuff so Mm -hmm. at this at the start it was a lot of just um uh 
you know, just charging like, oh, like 50 bucks for this painting, you know, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's looking back on it now. It's like I put so much time into the things that I I sold, but it didn't really reflect in the price. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of changed. I started doing conventions with my friends and we would go to conventions like Fan Expo, um, Anime North, uh, just these places that have artist alleys. Mm-hmm. And it was a way for me to make some money um, and also kind of, you know, get my name out there. Because it's just mm-hmm. like so many people attend those conventions. You can give out business cards. Um, and so, you know, I wasn't making like a ton of money at those things. I was making per- like, I would break even and I would make, you know, a couple hundred bucks maybe from uh, conventions. Right. Uh, yeah. And then it wasn't until probably like the when Noel first contacted me about Twitch doing art for his Twitch, um, that was like the first time that it was like, Oh, this is kind of like a bigger deal. And, um, and so, yeah, like, again, like my prices started off pretty low and at the time too, it's Cody and Noel were, they were big, but they weren't as big as they are now. So Mm -hmm. it was kind of like, Oh yeah. Like, uh, like what's your budget? you you can like spare like a couple hundred bucks or whatever i'll do your twitch art and then you know and then like we established like a friendship and he would come to me when he needed some things for like other projects and stuff and snowballed into you know doing tmg and then i started getting to know some other youtubers through them and now it's gotten to the point where um I'm still working full time as an animator. I just take on like a lot more projects now. Um, Mm -hmm. And the nice thing about people coming to me is, is like, I can kind of like pick and choose the projects I work on. Like I see a lot of people say like, Oh, like you, you only work with like the, the people that I, I watch or the people that I like or something. Mm -hmm. And that's literally just a product of design. It's because it's like, oh, it's because I pick those. I literally like whatever spare time I have, I'm like, I'll dedicate my time to doing projects for these people. Because like there are a lot of other people that do reach out to me and I feel bad because um, I'm sure like a lot of these projects that people approach me with, like I'm sure that they're great. And like, um, like I've, people hit me up like, Oh, I'd like, I'm releasing some music. I want like an album cover done. And the real, like the reality of the situation, unfortunately is with full-time work, uh, my spare, like most of my spare time already being dedicated to the projects with like these friends that I've made. Um, I don't really have time to do anything else. Like, and also too, it's like, I'm also trying, like, I, I want to have my own free time too. So mm-hmm. this is also like, I want some time to just like chill out with my girlfriend and, uh, you know, like be able to like hang out with her and like, 
you know, like, uh, play with my dog and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like I just want to chill out and, um, yeah, like, uh, thankfully it hasn't happened like a lot, but some people do, I think feel disrespected when I ignore them and Mm -hmm. stuff. And it's not that Mm -hmm. I'm ignoring them too. There's like sometimes messages get filtered in my inbox. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I had somebody reach out about a commission and I told them that I was busy and I would let them know if I ever did open it up. Unfortunately, never did. And they got pretty pissed at me (laughs) for Mm -hmm. like, like almost like I was like leading them on. And I was like, no, like I told you I was busy. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, yeah, like there are other artists, you know, like, it's, yeah, you'll, he, he, they'll survive, you know? Yeah. And it was just like, yeah. uh, they, they mentioned I had so much money to give you and <laughs> you squandered this. Like it was an opportunity uh, I squandered or something. And, uh-huh. um, you yeah. missed out. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. like you totally missed out, and I was like, uh, "A jerk." Uh, did I though? I don't. Uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, thankfully that that that's like a that's only been like a one time thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because like I really do feel bad. Like I try to tell everybody that reach out, like, "Oh, I'm busy," but mm-hmm. even like doing that is like a lot of time to answer every mm-hmm. single DM to be like, oh, oh yeah. like I'm not sorry. I don't, I, I can't do commissions right now, but yeah. just like stick around. Maybe I will. I don't want to give yeah. them like a, a definitive. I'll never do it because mm-hmm. who knows? Like even like this year, this year in particular for freelance, this has been like pretty slow for me. Like, um, mm-hmm. Uh, I did like a few projects at the start of the year and for like a couple months now I've just been chilling, but Mm -hmm. a lot of it is just like, you know, people don't need things all the time, you know, like people aren't releasing merch like every week, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, and so it's like, for me, I just kind of want to enjoy this time because I, I know that at some point. I'll probably get messaged by like a bunch of people that want to do like merch collections or something or album art or whatever. And then they always seem to need the things like all at the same time. And then Mm. like, I'm and then I'm working on like six or seven projects at once. And I'm like, okay, who who needs this? Who needs this Mm -hmm. one first? Uh, Mm -hmm. Just trying to like prioritize everything. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know. Uh, it's, I've been super grateful for the things that I've gotten to do. And like, I love too that a lot of these, um, a lot of the people that I work with, uh, I'm friendly with like all of them. Uh, Mm -hmm. only like a few times have I worked through like management, but for the most part, it's usually uh, it's usually through the person themselves. So like Curtis will just message me and ask mm-hmm. me if I'm available or, you know, Noel will message me. And like, and so in that sense, it's, it's nice because I know that they trust 
me to make like whatever they want, but they also mm-hmm. don't like hold the reins too tight. They're just like, Oh yeah, just go crazy. Like the, one of the cooler things I made last year was Curtis Connors tour Pokemon card. And mm-hmm. all he asked me before was like, Oh, could you just like design me like a, a trading card? And I was like, hell yeah. And I, I cool. said, like, would you want it to be like a Pokemon card? And then I he was like, uh, sure. And then like I just made him a Pokemon card, basically. Cool. And yeah, he was yeah. like, like, I don't think like any notes, just damn, that's cool. <laughs> that's sick. <laughs> and those are those are the best because uh I feel like when you when people come back at you with like notes. It's kind of like, oh, do you even like trust that I know what I'm doing? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But then exactly. again, it is their money, so they can do what they want. <laughs> true. 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 <laughs> um, uh, I'm surprised that like with your full time job and like animation that you come home and then draw again. Like, do you ever get burnt out from drawing? Oh, for sure. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, there'll be day. There'll be like. So when I get into a groove, I'm like just drawing all the time. Mm -hmm. But there are times where I'm just like, I don't want to think about drawing for like a week. Yeah. (laughs) And then I just, I I just won't, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, it's that space to breathe, right? Like you're, you know, I feel like you know, you're obviously you're an artist that's popular and everybody wants to work with you, but it's like, you're also a human being and you need some space to, you know, rest and to breathe and to, to not, and not create 24 seven. We're not made for that. Exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, um, how, uh, when did you notice your freelancing start picking up? Uh, when did you start getting, a whole bunch of requests. Was that after, you know, a couple of uh, gigs with Tiny Meat Gang? Uh, when did you notice that sort of shift? Um, yeah, it was definitely after the Tiny Meat Gang stuff, especially because, yeah. like I said, like I'm, uh, like those are my friends, and so mm-hmm. they, you know, like they would mention me in podcasts and stuff like that, and so mm-hmm. I think because of that, it kind of let other people know who I was and uh, people were able to mat like be able to find me on social media and all that. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't know. Like it, it, it definitely picked up after the TMG stuff. Um, but yeah, it's just been kind of snowballing ever since. Mm-hmm. Can't really say that it's like gotten crazier or whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's mm-hmm. been steady. Yeah. So uh, do you think that like illustrators and animators are generally paid fairly? And I guess that's more of a question about like freelancing than any like salaried position. Um, yeah, I would go as far as to say that like even salary, I don't mm-hmm. think that they're paid like the greatest, like mm-hmm. as well as they should be. Yeah. Um, like the only kind of instance that I can think of where they are is one of my friends uh, moved to L.A. and mm-hmm. their animation department, well, 
their animation in LA is uh, unionized. So mm. everybody gets paid like fair wages there. Hmm. Unfortunately, that's like not the case in Canada. I know that there's like some talk about some studios unionizing. I don't know if it's like going to change anything. Like I'd like it to, but yeah. Um, yeah, it just goes back to just, you know, um, like, in, like in comparison, my salary to his, like I, I get grossly underpaid, but, um, it, when you compare it to, you know, like the, the average salary, like in Ontario, I guess it's, it's decent, you know, mm -hmm. like I, I'm not struggling. I'm not, you know, I'm not paycheck to paycheck. Um, and then as far as freelance goes, I think that, um, I think that a big part of why people aren't really paid fairly in freelance is because nobody really talks about like wages and like how much people, like how much they charge clients and stuff. Um, and like, I'm pretty much like, uh, I fall into that. Like I'm not mm -hmm. very open about like what I charge, sure. um, mainly because I feel like the second that it, it gets out that like I charge a certain price, uh, it's either going to scare people away or it's going to maybe, you know, like have people reconsider or something like, you know, mm -hmm. when the way that I approach, uh, pricing and freelance is, I'm, I'm very, uh, like, I, I like to have it very, uh, fair in the sense that, um, and I guess this goes back to like why I, I really enjoy working with the, um, with these clients, uh, and friends, you know, like we can talk about like, oh, you know, like what kind of money do you have like right now? Mm -hmm. You know, like we're mm -hmm. not we're not like afraid to kind of tell each other like what we expect, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I approach like every job that way where it's kind of like, if they, if they come to me and like, let's say it's somebody that doesn't, um, what's a good example? Uh, a good example is, um, one of one of my friends uh i i've been doing some work for uh his um his little music project where he's not making money off of it you know this mm -hmm. is entirely uh fueled by passion and mm -hmm. uh it's kind of the reason why like i wanted to work with him like i mm -hmm. said like i don't have a lot of time uh, so when he asked if I would be down to do it, uh, I could, uh, he let me like listen to the music and, um, to me, it's like, you can hear like how much he enjoys it. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was like, yeah, like, hell yeah, this deserves like something cool as like cover art, you know? Yeah. Um, 
And so, and he's a friend, so we can talk about like what like a fair price is. And the fact that he's willing to pay me, you know, like it wouldn't be as much as like I charge for like a, you know, like a, like a pup EP album art deal. Like I wouldn't be charging Mm -hmm. him that, but the fact that he's willing to meet me like halfway and like still pay me a a decent, um, a decent price for my time. Like, uh, I think that's why it's important for like the clients to be, to have like a connection with the client Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, going back, it was like, it was tough doing, um, I think it was, there was a one project where I was kind of working with a YouTuber and I never really, I don't think I spoke to the YouTuber at all. It was like all hmm. through the management hmm. and this is not that like the management was fine and like they paid me exactly what I asked for and everything, but it was tough to kind of establish what their vision was Mm -hmm. um, because it was going through a middleman. So it would be like, I would send concepts over and normally when I send things like rough drafts and all that, uh, we can kind of have a, a brainstorm session or some, something where we can, you know, Oh, that would be a cool idea. The what if you incorporated this? I feel like these colors would work better, etc. And mm-hmm. um I feel like the creative process flows better that way. Mm-hmm. Whereas I would send off these things and then they would tell their management like, "Oh, like can we do this, 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 this?" And then I just get like a list back of things that they think like of things that they want changed, mm-hmm. but it's like, I don't really like hear like their reasoning behind it really. And like why exactly they would want to do that. And so it kind of muddles the thing, but in the end it's like, I still finished the project and I was still pretty happy with how it turned out, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. despite how it came to fruition. But, um, yeah, that's kind of like how I go with dealing with, you know, prices and like the creative process with these, like with uh, the clients and or my friends or whatever it may be. Yeah. Clients and friends. Yeah, totally. I, I think that's I mean, that's fantastic that you found people that you can that you can work with like that. People that you equally respect as friends and as, you know, as like, you know, clients as as people you work with that's i think that's that's rare and i think it's it's really important yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i'm like uh i'm just stoked that i can be friends with like these creators that also inspire me do you Mm -hmm. like if that makes sense yeah like uh that's how i i got the the job working with Noel and then working with TMG, it all started out of, you know, I was just uh, didn't have any ideas and I was sketching one day and they had just released the stay safe music video where they're mm-hmm. dancing in the yellow inflatable suits. Yes, And I was like, Oh, that's funny. And I 
sketched it out. And next thing you know, I'm now I'm working with them and it's just like all came because like they inspired me to do something that in a drawing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Things work out like that. Crazy. Um, Yeah. Do you think that visual art is held to the same degree of respect as other forms of art? So maybe like, for example, compared to like music or like television. Sorry, is the art, say that again. (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. Do you think that like, do you think that like visual art as in like, you know, uh, you know, like illustrative art, I guess is the better word, maybe the illustrative art um, is held to the same degree of respect as other forms of art. Uh, For example, like, you know, music, television, um, all that. Do you think that... um, And maybe I'm pointing this in more of a direction of, do you feel as though people expect you to do more work for free? Do you think that they value your work as something that's maybe lesser than, than like music? What do you think about that? Yeah, I, Mm -hmm. I definitely think that that is uh, an issue with like the visual art. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it comes from a place of, people just what's what's the right word for it so i guess like if you make music let's say um it like uh i wrote i write a song on my guitar and uh and now and like i put it out there uh i feel like people respect like music and like these kinds of things more than visual art because it's something that they can't do themselves like Mm -hmm. like uh obviously you could you could uh there are plenty of people that play guitar you know but it's a skill that you have to learn whereas Mm -hmm. drawing is something that you kind of just are always doing when you when you're growing up like even if you're not an artist uh, you've probably doodled in a notebook or it's th- these kinds of things where you now it's when you see people charging money for a drawing, you kind of connect it back to yourself saying, well, like I can draw. Mm-hmm. So why, why does that person get all that money for drawing when, I can do, I can draw too. And they mm-hmm. don't necessarily respect the fact that, oh, maybe this person's been drawing and practicing that craft for years. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's where, like the, that's why visual art may not be as respected mm-hmm. is because um, people people don't see it as a skill that you learn because it's something that you're just kind of always around and something that you can, even you can do just picking up a pen and scribbling on a notepad or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whereas, yeah. yeah. Like if like you're, if you're making music, it's like, Oh, I wouldn't even know where to begin with recording a track. Or if you're making like a movie, Oh, like I don't know the first thing about like, cinematography and uh, lenses and like all that kind of stuff 
So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's where the uh, why visual art probably doesn't get as much respect. Yeah. And oh God, I've, I've seen that. I mean, yeah, my whole life people have been like, you're charging that for drawing. And it's like, you know, like you, you try, you try to create that, you know? Yeah. Like, that's, that's my favorite thing is when yeah. somebody says like, oh, like why, why, like I could do, I could draw something better than that. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. well then why don't you? Yeah. Why then do it. Why, like, why aren't you the one getting paid to do it? I mm-hmm. don't understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, please show me and do it. Like, uh, um, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, it could be frustrating. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. um, I feel bad for, you know, people like artists that, um, half like that are like subjugated to that. (laughs) Cause Mm -hmm. I feel like at least with my art, I think it's crazy enough that people are like, oh my gosh, like I don't even know where to begin, you know? Whereas if you're maybe more of like an abstract artist, I feel like you're probably getting a lot more of those kinds of comments. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, all you did was paint shapes. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, but there's probably more to it than just Mm -hmm. that. And Mm -hmm. even uh, a big thing for me uh, over the course of quarantine and everything, I got very into, um, photography and videography and, um, I bought myself like mirrorless cameras and all that kind of stuff. And Hmm. to me, like photography in like same deal, I came at it, it with an approach, like what's so hard about taking a picture you know, mm-hmm. but then that's like, well, as soon as you get into it, you, you realize there's a whole other world of like composition and lighting and, um, you know, like what, what like exposure and it's, there's so much more. And like, I feel like, th- like visual art kind of like, uh, even photography gets mm-hmm. discredited because it's like, Anybody could take a picture. I have a camera on my phone. Mm-hmm. 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 And um, what what platforms or like websites or programs or anything um, have you been really thankful to have as like as a freelance artist? Uh, what sort of things have like helped you along this journey to maybe like if you have, you know, including like programs they use maybe to edit, but also like, do you have a Patreon? Uh, are there things that help you, you know, to to fulfill orders, to to help, you know, fund um, your art? Like what sort of things um, have you used? Um. Yeah. Uh, so. I use primarily um, I use like print print on demand type mm-hmm. services. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back to when I used to do conventions, I would go to like a print shop and I would order, you know, like, Oh, can I have a hundred copies of like this drawing printed out mm-hmm. on like this, whatever. Mm-hmm. Now it's gotten to a point where I can just upload it onto um, like this website and now people can go there and just order things whenever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, the downside is like, obviously I don't get 
nearly as much profit from it, you know, like, um, when I was selling my prints at conventions, it would maybe cost like, like, I don't know, like 30 cents to like a dollar per print or something. And I was selling them for like $20. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you're making a lot of money. What, like when you sell a print at a convention, but now it's like flip side, you put them online and I, I'm completely taken out of like the production of it other than like obviously drawing the image, but mm-hmm. it's like, I'm uh, depending on like what size or something of the print that they, somebody purchases, I'll get half back, mm-hmm. which isn't that bad actually if you consider the fact that a i don't have to print it off myself and like i don't have to ship it um which has been like a blessing Mm -hmm. because it's like i don't want to go to the post office all the time yeah same thing with uh shirts like i use threadless to print shirts um obviously the quality isn't going to be as good as if i paid a print shop to, you know, custom make all the shirts. And then I just have like, I, right now I have a box of t-shirts that I ordered right before like the pandemic. Mm. And, um, I just never got around to putting them online. Cause I'm just like, I don't want to ship these. Yeah. Like the, I, like I initially got them cause I was going to like sell them at conventions. And then the conventions mm-hmm. just like stopped being a thing for two years. Mm-hmm. And so I just have like a big box of t-shirts in my basement and I'm just like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to ship these. Mm-hmm. And I, I spent so much money printing them and it's just like, oh, uh, like I could to- like, I could maybe make my money back if I decided to ship them, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, conventions might be coming back soon. So maybe well, you'll yeah. have an opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know some people that have been like, there's been like some comic cons and mm-hmm. stuff like that. The thing is, mm-hmm. though, is I don't know if I want to go back. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Obviously, it'd be a cool way to like meet some people that mm-hmm. have been following me for a while. I remember right when I was like right toward the end of it. Uh, there was this uh, convention in Montreal and um, there were these, there were a couple of guys that followed my art that lived in the city. And so like they could never come to the conventions in Toronto without Mm -hmm. obviously traveling for a few hours. Right. So when I came to Montreal, like they just bought like everything. Cool. And it was like really cool. And it was um, it's like, oh damn! Like I didn't realize like I had people that cared about my stuff like in Montreal, you know? Yeah. Like and like I, I wonder what it would be like now, given since I've done conventions, my audience has grown. Like I don't like I think when I was doing conventions, I maybe had a thousand followers, mm-hmm. and I'm now sitting at just about 20,000. And so it, it would, it would make me, it, it's, I'm definitely curious if like I would notice that 
if I did do a convention now, but at the same time, I'm just like, ah, oh, there's so much work. They're so stressful. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I want to like put myself in that situation again. Yeah. Yeah. And then all the people and COVID and, you know. Yeah. yeah I don't, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Really not too enticing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so you, you know, you also create on YouTube, right? Like, so you have uh, quite a few videos up and um, I was wondering if like, you know, how, how focused are you on YouTube as a creative platform? Um, and do you hope it'll become like somewhat successful? Do you have, do you even have goals for it or is it a bit more of like a, just a fun side thing for you? So yeah, this like goes back to the whole, my interest in photography, videography and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I was like, I've always wanted to have like a YouTube channel mm -hmm. and, um, and like, I've always been drawn to, um, streaming and like that, that kind of stuff. Uh, I was, I was like a, a theater kid when I was in high school. And so I've always want, I've always like gravitated to the idea of, um, making people laugh and that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. YouTube kind of felt like the right thing. Like, Oh, like I can, I can mash the, like my need for like wanting to create like comedic content with my art and it in a visual platform like YouTube where people could just like watch the videos or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so like, obviously I would love if it like took off and you know, I could make more uh, videos and stuff. The The problem is, is just like trying to balance all the, all my time because mm -hmm. um, as it is right now, it's like with the full-time job and then the freelance and then also wanting free time it doesn't leave a lot of time left for me to, you know, script a video, shoot the video, mm -hmm. edit the video. Oh, yeah. Um, but like when I do, when I do end up doing it, um, I always have a blast. It's always very fun for me mm -hmm. to create that kind of stuff, especially because um, I like, like editing to me is one of those, like, I, I hate it, but I love it. And I really enjoy just taking the weird stuff in the footage that I shoot and turning it into something else, I guess. I guess that's mm -hmm. like the, the artist in me is like, I like to keep turning things into something that it wasn't initially. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, uh, but yeah, like I, I love YouTube. I, yeah, like, I don't have a lot of videos. Um, and it's mainly just because of time restraints, but it would absolutely be a dream to have more time to do it. And it's yeah. funny because I, I did have like a big, I had a big, big uh, gap in between contracts with my full time job. Mm -hmm. But of course, is like as soon as I had, like, it was a few months where I was not working full time. I was just right. doing freelance yeah. and I was like, Oh man, I'm going to like make so much YouTube videos. I'm going to stream. I'm going to do all this stuff. And then 
um, I just, I got like a ton of freelance stuff and I just didn't want uh, anytime I thought about shooting a video or streaming, I was just like, ah, I just want to like be alone. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to like, you know, put myself out there in a social situation. Sure. Um, I guess like YouTube wouldn't really be like that, but streaming particularly was like, yeah. oh man, anytime I stream, it's, it's fun, but at the same time, it's kind of taxing because I'm trying mm -hmm. to be entertaining while I'm drawing and mm -hmm. my brain can really only do two things, uh, do one thing at a time. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, it's a struggle, but mm -hmm. uh, maybe, maybe I'll find a sweet spot where I can get everything done and that'd be sweet. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. I like your two videos, so oh, I sweet, hope I see sweet. more of it. Yeah. And <laughs> And, you know, I, I get the whole, like, YouTube feels socially draining because you, you're talking to an audience. You are, right? Yeah. Uh, and mm -hmm. just, like, the putting yourself in front of a camera and talking to it like yeah. it's a person. Yeah. It's, it is the, is one of the weirdest feelings. And <laughs> um, I'm still not there yet uh, mm -hmm. where, like, you know, like, some of my friends are, like, the best in the game at it. Like to yeah. be able to just like talk at a camera and like make it feel natural and everything. Mm -hmm. It's, I'm still not there. And that's why I think that's why a lot of videos don't get made is because I'm just like, oh, I'm too, way too awkward. I'm going to have to edit this way too much. And mm -hmm. that's way too much work. <laughs> oh, I feel you. Yeah. I, I've been doing this podcast for like a year and I have a radio show and I'm still like, oh my God, I'm so awkward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's it's the same feeling and i mean like at the same time it's like we all get it so i know it's normal but then it feels so discouraging yeah and I, yeah. i've been dealing i've been dealing with like um the uh, imposter syndrome like crazy mm -hmm. um i feel like anytime uh, i was gonna make a a youtube video about it because i feel like I feel like a lot of people feel it, but mm -hmm. don't really know like how to deal with it. And like yeah. it, sometimes you might feel like you're the only person that feels like that, but I, I'm positive. We all get imposter syndrome mm -hmm. and um, mm -hmm. yeah. Like anytime a, a project of mine releases, um, I find myself questioning is this it? Is this the end of my freelance career? Like, it, mm -hmm. um, am I going like now that I've done this, maybe nobody people, I feel like anytime I release something, people are going to figure me out and say mm -hmm. like, Oh, you're not that good. Mm -hmm. And we, we don't care anymore. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. it's a struggle mentally. To yeah. have to always deal with that whenever I'm putting cool projects out that I'm very proud of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think any artist out there can relate to that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as like a freelance journalist myself, I've like, I've pitched a lot of interviews um, to people, to like, to magazines and to publications before um, that 
are that include or that are about like internet creators right mm. um and if like every single time it gets shut down and it's like I, i'm curious what you think about that is that do you think that's not i mean i think it's incredibly naive i think it's incredibly stupid um and like the people running these magazines and everything aren't like terribly old either so i'm like how do you not understand that like you know internet creators are you know you know huge and they're you know they're the most important celebrities to young people and it's just like it's so surprising and um do you feel as though online content creators should be taken more seriously in like mainstream quote quote media or do you even think it matters anymore because do you think those are kind of dying out um yeah like the it's weird because I feel like if they leaned into it more, mm -hmm. I don't think that they would be like a dying medium. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's, it's weird that like they're clutching their pearls so hard on like mm -hmm. this mentality that like people only care about mainstream like media yeah it's it's weird that like like i've met people that like don't really pay attention like they don't have social media and stuff mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. they're still like only exposed to you know like late show kind of um right. that kind of like oh like those like these celebrities and stuff mm -hmm. um but even those shows Yesterday, I think I just saw Rhett and Link from Good Mythical Morning yeah. were on Fallon. It's like... Really? Yeah. There's there's a reason that they're there. It's because yeah. it's... They're huge. And mm -hmm. right, like, rightfully so. Like, they're, mm -hmm. um, they're incredibly talented dudes. And it's just... Uh, same goes with, like, a lot of people. Like, a, a, lot, of, a lot of people that I've worked with... Mm -hmm. um uh deserve like mainstream kind of success yeah uh, just because they started making videos like in their bedrooms or something doesn't discredit the fact like how big of an audience they have mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so yeah it's it's weird that um these these like publications these media publications and stuff would like reject you in that way because it's mm -hmm. like you'd think that they'd want whatever attracted more eyes you'd think and it's like they're so afraid of yeah of, of dying out of aging out basically right of, of not being present of not being modern of not being attractive to young people um and then they don't keep up they just choose not to and it's like, okay, well, it's like, you know, like, uh, it's like self-sacrifice. Like, what are you, like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. It's yeah. just like, well, why you're killing yourself. What are you, I know. what are you doing? I know. <laughs> Doesn't seem like uh, a smart business strategy. No, not at all. And do you think that that, do you think that that's going to shift in the future? Do you think that our general attitudes towards online celebrities, internet, creators do you think that that's gonna do you think we'll see a shift 
I think we're already seeing it. Mm-hmm. Like going back to the Fallon thing, like uh, he <laughs> didn't he have a segment with Paris Hilton like talking about NFTs? Like that's oh like, my god, yeah, like the biggest like indication <laughs> that like online shit is creeping into real life, like mm-hmm. mainstream media kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I think we are currently in a transitional period. Um, I, yeah, I I don't know when they're going to like fully lean into it and commit. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like they're still kind of fringe. Um, but I hope that they, they do it because it's just, it feels, it feels kind of bizarre that like some of the biggest people on the internet or like i guess you could even just say like some of the biggest people in the world Mm -hmm. like are not considered mainstream successful or you know something weird like that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i don't know and it might just be it might just be like because of like uh like older people in management but even you said like some of these people aren't that old so yeah, some of these people are like mid 30s i'm like what like how, how are you not i guess they're just not in touch i don't know bizarre it's really yeah it's very bizarre um and how do you think um you know i guess this is a question for you personally but also as you work with a lot of online content creators what you've seen how has the pandemic influenced online content creators and like um, do you feel as though it's made it harder to become successful in that sort of position online or easier? Uh, being successful online be- yeah. like, because of the pandemic? like Yeah. Like, do you think that, you know, it's drawn more eyes because there are more people online, there are more people at home, you mm. know, do you think that there have been, do you think it, do you think it's made it harder in general or, you know, what, what, what do you think? Just what's your opinion? No, I th- I think that it's probably gotten more people like uh like I would imagine that a lot of online celebrity type people have mm-hmm. had like probably a spike in yeah. you know subscribers and followers and stuff like that because mm-hmm of the fact that everybody's just inside or on their phones, obviously it's changing. Now we're kind of shifting back into, you know, pre pandemic life. Mm -hmm. But I think that the pandemic probably helped a lot of creators Mm -hmm. um, just because there was nothing else to do, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And do you feel as though that's there have been parts of the pandemic that have benefited you with what you do and what you create? Um, I don't know. I I don't know if it impacted me in a way that like I noticed. Like okay. maybe it did, but I I didn't really particularly notice like a re like any any difference to like you know it felt like pretty steady through Mm -hmm. the pandemic. Like it, um, I guess because the online creators were maybe getting more eyes. Mm -hmm. And so like in turn with the 
uh, more eyes on them. If I happen to work with some of those creators, then obviously more people would see my stuff, but mm -hmm. I don't know. Like I don't, I don't think the pandemic really affected um, my numbers negatively or positively or anything. Okay. Yeah. At least it's not negative, you know? Yeah. Yeah. At least you didn't just nose dive. <laughs> if he, yeah. during a pandemic, it's like, why am I losing followers? I don't understand. <laughs> They're just like, oh my God, why do I follow this guy? Yeah. Seriously. Just cleaning out. <laughs> They're like, nope, gotta go. What the hell? When did I follow this guy? No, please <laughs> come back. Seriously. Um, well, what can we look forward to seeing from you, Brandon? Um, you could look forward to seeing a lot more goopy, gross drawings Beautiful. and, um, hopefully some YouTube stuff. I don't know. Awesome. Um, uh, other than that, uh, just, you know, same old, same old, I'm going to be working with some cool people. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm all like, I could even say I'm working with a, a, another YouTuber that I've never worked with before. And, um, uh, I'm pretty excited. Uh, the project's turning out pretty cool. cool and I, I won't, I won't say who it is, but okay. I can say that the project is looking like a end of the next month. So end of May, I believe he's aiming at releasing it. Um, and it's, it's a music project. So, um, I'm doing like album art. Cool. Wow. That's yeah. so exciting. Uh, so yeah, pretty stoked about that. Uh, other than that, you know, just chilling. <laughs> yeah. As always. And yeah, well, thank you so much. And I'm, yeah, I'm really looking forward to everything that you're putting out. And yeah, everybody who uh, is interested in checking out Brandon, again, you can follow him on Instagram under Brandon Lapine, his website at brandonlapine.art and on YouTube under Brandon Lapine. And uh, thank you so much for speaking with me today. This is like really fun and really cool to talk to you. Hell yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you for having me. No problem. And you have a great night, dude. Thanks. You too.